0: Got it. (laughs) Poor Kelly. God, why did you give me a second to look up a rhyme?
1: Because you've just had 30 minutes. I don't know. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Literally Literary. With us, as always, is Mr. Sean Vaughn. I am Joey Bonnier. And here he
0: is, Sean
1: O'Brien. Hello, guys. Howdy ho.
0: We're missing somebody. Oh,
2: yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, you could have kind she of is. You know, <laughs> rolled with
1: that and bought some time.
2: I know, but I thought it'd be like, funny. By way. the time she sat I th- down, I th- I thought it would have be
0: been either. actually
1: rather appropriate. I thought it'd be but funny. But Sean Vaughan. Kelly Ridgway.
0: <laughs> <laughs> hey. Hi, B. Sorry, I'm late. It's okay. <laughs> I I we I'm I think this pizza was a bad idea. For Jesus me. Christ! She Ugh. just.
2: <laughs> I asked you so many times. How do you put up with this shit? I know. I'm just like. Like we only have to deal with them once a week.
1: Else. <sighs> it's very I'm stressful. Sorry. You said yeah. if anybody
2: wants else wants pizza.
0: I could have gotten my own pizza. I know. I am was... cool with that. She is a
1: capable woman.
0: No, I know. But I'm a strong, like, strong woman. It sounded good. Yeah. It wasn't her fault. I, I, pizza I'm sounded sorry. good. Why well, are you I sorry? bad? It's, you don't I have to feel have bad. I should have
2: made you not get this pizza and looked like a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> you can't have pizza.
1: (laughs) (laughs) He like pinches love handle.
2: No pizza tonight. (laughs) He needs boundaries. He He needs boundaries.
1: I
0: am a child. I will continue to drink until there is nothing left to drink. I will continue to eat until there is nothing left to eat.
1: That's called addiction. (laughs) There's groups for that, man. You might want to get that checked out. I
2: have a snack. I open up a bag of chips. I have a few. I put it away. I come back the next day. The bag is gone. And he's like, well, you can't leave, you know, snacks open in my house. I was
1: like,
2: it was a day. There was a whole bag of chips. And then I couldn't eat the rest of my chips.
1: In a regular bag, right?
2: Yeah. Yeah. Uh,
0: it's legitimate. Yeah. See, I would do that. Told you, <laughs> a
2: bag of chips lasts me four days. I just like eat a little bit, and put it back in the cupboard. You're
1: also like a quarter of any of our sizes.
2: No, I, have this, <laughs> I could keep eating if I wanted to, but I don't. I want to. Yeah,
1: <laughs> that's that's the uh, the hunter gatherer. The uh, discipline. The,
2: uh, I have the discipline. Rack
0: of discipline.
1: Wait, mm-hmm. you, well, you implied you didn't want to, but it is. It is. No, a, I'm, I'm like you, I,
2: I'm not going to eat this whole bag of chips. So I'm going to put this away.
1: I see. So you.
2: I go. I don't you, need to so be doing So you do this. want
1: to continue to eat them? I, of
2: course, anybody but you just, that's you just they... deprive
1: yourself. Why?
2: I just. Why not enjoy that... life?
1: Why not grab it by the horns and just take down know, that bag like, of chips? I'm not
2: going to feel finish all that, that great. sleeve
1: of Oreo, girl.
0: Anyway, I have books. <laughs> <laughs> I am Oliver Twist by Charles Dickens. What? Please, sir, I want some more. Oh my god. <laughs> I have. Um. Less Than Zero by Brett Easton Ellis. Those are called negative numbers. I think I also have something else by Brady Easton Ellis, but I, don't, I, don't, I might not bring it up. Um, I also have White Noise by Don the DeLillo. Louise. I have Dubliners by James Joyce. I have How The Great done Gatsby. with that? I have The Great Gatsby by F. Scott Fitzgerald. Man, F. Scott Fitzgerald. I have The Wrestler's Cruel Study by Stephen Dobbins. Yeah. I have...
1: Oh, cool. my God. I have Stephen, D- whoa, oh. I oh, every time you put <sighs> that book on the table, I think Stephen Dubbins is Stephen Dubner from I know. and I get excited I know that's what happens to you every time. I, I do own I like coins on the cover. and I
0: have uh, John Irving's The World According to Garp, I have The Curious Incident of Shot, the Dog in the right. Nighttime by Mark Haddon, I have The Rules of Attraction by Brady Sinales, I have Tinkers by Paul Harding, I have uh, A Visit to the Goon Squad, a Visit from the Goon Squad by Jennifer Egan, and um, I have my Kindle which has on it the, the Disaster Artist. It has The Disaster Artist, The Goldfinch, Gone Girl, and a bunch of other shit. But those are the three that I'm going to put on the Why
2: table. is there a paper towel on your Kindle?
0: Oh, my God. <laughs> Tune into Literally Literary to find out more. Speaking of which, by the we're way, we're listening to, to that. <laughs> remember to follow us on all our other shows. We have uh, Paula Tinkering. We have going down on South Park, Wild Wild Westworld, and Text Before Calling. You can also follow Joey at uh, at j o e b o n i e r. You can follow Sean at Text Before Calling on the Twitter. You can all follow, follow me at Paula Tinkering or uh, at Discarded Posted Poetry on the Instagrams. Uh, and you can follow Kelly wherever she goes because she just is the most attractive person in the world. So it's fine.
1: Did you just encourage the world to stalk your girlfriend? Yeah.
0: That's, that's kind of weird. i think that they're doing it anyway. You are. I think a by, cuck. Me you them, you a cuck. by me telling reverse them, by me telling them, reverse psychology. Yeah, Nar. exactly. That's what's happening.
1: It's good. You should at least buy her a gun first.
0: <laughs> Pick, choose the form of your destructor as mm. we wait for our pizza. What's the Goon Squad? A visit from the Goose Club won the Pulitzer Prize. <laughs> the oh, Goon fuck Squad. that. Um, Who are the she, her guns? book also came out recently, in the last her, her new book. It's actually very good. You'd like it. I'd
1: but, stake my Pulitzer on it.
0: You can, but that's what it was. It won the Pulitzer Prize a couple of years ago. That doesn't tell me a goddamn thing.
2: I know. It really doesn't. <laughs> okay.
0: Benny is an aging former punk rocker and recorder executive. Sasha is the Recater, passionate, executor. Sasha is the passionate, troubled the young woman ball. he employs. <laughs> Here, Jennifer Egan brilliantly reveals their pasts, along with their inner lives of a ho- the inner lives of a host of other characters whose paths intersect with theirs. With music, push- with music pulsing on every page. A visit from the Goon Squad is a startling, exhilarating. Can't novel read music Of self destruction <laughs> and redemption. It's actually really, really good. I read it in like two days.
1: You say that about a lot of things. Yeah, it does.
0: What's, what which do I say about a lot of things? That it's really good that I read it in two days? Why would yeah. I bring out a book here that I fucking hate? That's a good point. <laughs> of course I say that about a lot of things. Well, you, you,
1: I, I meant to imply that you, uh, you like a lot of things that I find um, uh, uh, High horrible. High on the Bruce-tian scale. <laughs> yes. <laughs> many, many Greg proofs.
0: It's fair. I have a request. Sure. I want to read The Disaster Artist. Please. Um anybody else seconded?
1: I still sure. haven't seen Oh, actually, you know what? I did uh try and watch um uh The Room the other day. And um did, I, you make,
2: did it you make it through the, sex the first sex scene. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I did not yeah <laughs> that's why that's why you did not finish you
2: gotta watching. do it yeah you just gotta dive in you gotta, you gotta power through it.
0: it you gotta power through it, it and you know what we'll watch it together one day
2: fast no. forward no. it's <laughs> way
0: less fun to watch it by yourself this does not sound fun to watch it by yourself i'll uh, yeah, watch I, it by myself anytime
2: i was just yeah. asking <laughs> but you saw, so <laughs> many questions i'm like why why do people come over and then immediately leave
0: when is the it, first time you was, saw the
1: room joey it was just like a, a cinemax porn it was like, it is no, indeed yeah that's is.
2: only the first eight minutes <laughs>
1: It's, and but then from there,
2: it's
0: like it's a magic. Wannabe,
2: wannabe drama, it's like a real like like a horrible
0: soap opera. You know what? Opera. I'm gonna yes. I'm, I'm gonna yeah, compare this to. Absolutely not. I'm gonna compare. No, no, no. It is it's not way like a horrible so- soap opera at all. It is no, 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 no. no. It's like a soap opera if it was directed by an alien <laughs> who does not understand movies, but has had movies <laughs> extensively explained to them. To quote Tom, uh, Tom, whatever the fuck, who uh, co-wrote Disaster Artist, um, Bissell. Right, Tom Bistel? It's mm-hmm. possible that sounds right. Mm-hmm. Um, thank you, B. Sorry. So, <clears throat> um, as Sean rolls away, the uh, hey, fuck yourself. I don't know how to put this into perspective. I, I it's it's almost like you saw Citizen Kane, right?
1: No, I've never fucking seen Citizen Kane. What? Yes, of course.
0: Oh, that's fair. It's, it's <laughs> no, fair no, to assume
1: you've made of God movies. I, have. I haven't fucking so seen. Rusty, yeah. I literally just made Joey whole, watch it like a couple months ago. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah
0: exactly. So. Um, the, the whole newsreel at the beginning of the of the movie mm-hmm. is so fucking hard to get through. It's boring, it's annoying, it's stupid. Really? It's like, what is this? Why is Oh, this I thought here? that was fantastic.
1: would you Why like to you know you more? Think... It was like fucking Starship Troopers. It was
0: awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I love Starship Troopers. Oh, it's one of my I, don't favorites. get me wrong. I mean I, I, <laughs> I obviously love it in context and but I think like. If you like Starship Troopers, then you will like the room. It's interesting when I mean, yeah, <laughs> oh, that's true too. No maybe.
1: Anyway. <laughs> <So> my point <laughs> sure. is you have
0: to make it through the sex scenes. Um, we, so oh,
1: I did make it through the sex scene. Obviously, there were tits on screen, but like you know,
2: beyond there were two that, sex scenes. There were oh, first two. There's
0: like two or three in the first 26 yeah. minutes or whatever. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> so, and once you go through that, it's fun. Anyway, um, <laughs> I, I, I'm I'm with you, and I think we may have talked about this on the uh, another episode. But I, I I really don't like bad movies. Mm. It's it's not fun for me. Yeah. It's sad, and yeah. more importantly, it's not even that it's sad. It's that I don't get anything out of it. It's yep. like I don't. This isn't interesting it's not fun. i don't like to see people fail because i kind of you know it's it's whatever it is what it is if you made a bad movie you made a bad movie but i'm not going to watch it and pretend that it's good and yeah and i'm also not going to laugh at it for being bad because you think it's funny that people suck at things like fuck you the sometimes fuck i can't you?
1: help it but no it's uh, yeah it's
0: it's no i can always help it i can always help it mm. um and that's how that was my my mo throughout most of my life, I just I could I can't really even watch action movies. They're just they're mm. they're silly. They're fun. I don't get anything out of it, and it's people laugh and they have fun with it. And those you know there's a, there's a charm to it, but I just don't like it. I'm not into it. Um, it's because I'm horribly pretentious, and it's the worst. And I hate it, but I can't help it. True. I just can't mm-hmm. help it. It's not that's the thing. It's not designed. It's I just I <laughs> like. Fucking pretentious. Ulysses, man! I no, I don't even like it. I don't <laughs> like being pretentious. I just am. It's horrible. You like the finer things. I mean, I guess, but it's—I don't know how to. I don't know why, and I don't like it. But at that yes, my favorite movies you are my favorite movies way. are my favorite movies are the fucking most pretentious, greatest movies of all time, and it's by accident. My favorite books are always on the fucking list. It just happens. So now, take into account the fact that knowing this, I was at a party. And they were like, "You have to watch the room." It's like the the worst mm. movie ever. It's the greatest worst movie ever made. I'm like you need to go fuck yourself. I'm not gonna yeah. watch this. I don't care. And they had it on in the background. I was still outside smoking or whatever. And finally, at some point, I kind of came in, and it was a good 20 minutes in or so, because I only saw one sex scene. It was the tail end of one sex scene that I saw, or the, it may have been the second one. I'm not sure. Mm. Um, either way, I definitely didn't see the first. So, but I sat there kind of. You know, just throughout the corner of my eye, watching, and just still hanging, having a conversation, drinking, and giving it a little bit of a chance. And after after a minute or two, I'm just like, this really is pretty fascinatingly bad. And because, and there's something about it that is so wholehearted that it, it's it's it was made with a particular type of care, where it was complete authorship, and every single decision that could have gone into making it was fascinatingly bad it's not a bad movie it really is a fascinating movie it's a horribly made movie but in the same way that it's it's made with such care that this is exactly how he wants it to look and so how could you possibly want it to look like this or to do it this way <laughs> is there a principle I mean is it, is it the same thing as like kind of making art out of fingernail clippings because that's just the way you want it to, to be I mean I don't I, I just didn't understand it it was very fascinating
1: I'm um, oh. How much did you know about the movie before you Zero. Saw it? Absolutely okay.
0: none of it. All I knew was like, it's a bad movie and you should watch it. Yeah, and I was like, I, holy shit, this actually is amazing. The only It's the only bad movie I ever genuinely enjoyed watching. I think me
1: already having a vague understanding of the artist's point of view made me care even less. Yeah. Just knowing that he is this sort of monstrosity that is, you know, just kind of willing to go whatever direction he thinks is going to be fame.
0: Well, let's just dive in, kids. Let's go to it. Uh, The Disaster Artist, My Life Inside the Room, the greatest bad movie ever made by Greg Sestero and Tom Bissell, with new introduction by James Franco, which I will skip.
1: Yay. (laughs) Thankfully. You know he's a film school teacher? Could you imagine having to take a class with that guy?
0: I know. Jesus. One. Oh, hi, Mark. (laughs) Betty Schaefer. I'd always heard you had some talent. Joe Gillis. That was last year. This year, I'm trying to earn a living from Sunset Boulevard. Tommy Wiseau has always been what? Jesus Christ! Oh yeah, sorry. I have to what, post the thing. What, what kind? I'm of gonna thing? do it while we're reading. Oh wow. my God. <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm sorry. So, I'm kidding. So I first saw the room when I was watch after I listened to the podcast. How did this get made? Oh. oh, I mm. was going to
2: say, okay. Wait, so you listened to that before you watched it?
0: No, I knew it was, I saw oh, okay. it and then I was like, oh shit, I can quickly watch this on like YouTube. And I watched yeah. it on YouTube and then listened to the podcast. Yeah, we watched
2: it on YouTube too. Really. All right.
0: So, um. I chose buy to buy the torrenting. DVD
2: though? <laughs> I, I still might.
0: Tommy Wiseau has always been an eccentric dresser, but on a late summer night in 2002, he was turning the heads of every model, weirdo, transvestite, and facelift artist in and around Hollywood's Palm Restaurant. People couldn't stop looking at him. I couldn't stop looking at him. Even today, a decade later, I still can't unsee Tommy's outfit. (laughs) Nighttime sunglasses, a dark blazer as loose and baggy as rain gear, sand-colored cargo pants with pockets filled to capacity. Was he smuggling potatoes? A white tank top, (laughs) clunky Frankenstein combat boots, and two belts. (laughs) Yes, two belts. The first belt was at home in its loops. The second draped down and back to Tommy's to cup Tommy's backside, which was, as he always claimed, the point. It keeps my ass up, plus I feel good. And then, there was Tommy himself. Short and muscular, his face as lumpy and white as an abandoned draft of a sculpture. His enormous show-snovel jaw, er, snow-shovel jaw, his long, thick, and possibly black hair seemingly dyed in magic marker ink, and currently sopping wet. Moments before we walked in, Tommy had dumped a bottle of Arrowhead water on his head to keep... This poofy stuff from afflicting his considerable curls. He had also refused to let the Palms valet park his silver SL500 Mercedes-Benz, worried the guy might fart in his seat. At this point, I'd known Tommy for almost half a decade. Tommy and I looked more like Marvel Comics' nemesis than people who could be friends. I was a tall, sandy blonde, Northern California kid. Tommy, meanwhile, appeared to have been grown somewhere dark and moist. I knew exactly where Tommy and I fit in among the Palms' mixture of Hollywood sharks, minnows, and tourists. I was twenty-four years old, a minnow, like Tommy. That meant we had at least thirty minutes to wait for a table. Upon entering the restaurant, I could see various diners consulting their mental Rolodexes, trying to place Tommy, Gene Simmons after three months in the (laughs) Gobi Desert, the Hunchback of Notre Dame, uh, Notre, yeah,
1: Notre Dame, Notre Dame,
0: following the corrective surgery, the escaped Muppet, the drummer from Rat. I don't wait in the line, Tommy said, speaking to me over his shoulder. He kept marching up to the Palms hostess. I kept my distance, as I always did at times like this, and waited for the inevitable moment in which Tommy spoke, and the person to whom he was speaking tried to make geographical sense of his pronunciation, (laughs) which sounded like an Eastern European accent that had been hit by a Parisian bus. The hostess asked Tommy if he had a reservation. Oh, yes, he said. We have table reservations. (laughs) And what's the name? She said slightly sarcastically, but only slightly, because who knew whether Rat was on his verge of releasing the greatest hit album. Her job required carefully hedging one's fame-related bets. Uh, Ron, Tommy said. She checked her list. Sorry, she said, tapping her pencil on the page. There's no Ron here. Oh, sorry, Tommy said. It's Robert. She looked down. There's no Robert here either. Tommy laughed. (laughs) Wait, I remember now. Try John. The hostess found the name John near the bottom of the list. John, she said. Party of four? Yes, yes, Tommy said, summoning summoning me over to bring him uh, one party member closer to accuracy. I don't know who John Party of Four actually was, but the hostess snagged a wine wine menu and began walking us to our table. (laughs) I followed Tommy and the hostess through the palm's dim interior and looked at the dozens of movie star caricatures that lined its walls. There was Jack Nicholson, Betty Davis, O.J. Simpson, which made me wonder what exactly do you have to do to get banished from the wall of the palm?
2: I love that restaurant. I noticed
0: some starry faces sitting at the tables too. Well, maybe not starry, but mid-sized astral phenomena. Sports broadcaster Al Michaels, colleague to my beloved John Madden, sports illustrated swimsuit issue swimsuit model Josie Moran, the co-host on our local ABC News. There were also lots of faces unknown to me, but obviously connected. These mostly middle-aged men, women talked show business at conversational levels and real show business. Sato voice. The waiter. The, the fuck? What? Sato voice. Sato. They will do a better definition than I can. Um, no definition. <sighs> fun. Um, it's sort of it's Joey. it's um it's a musical term. It's sort of slow and kind of mumbly. It's a uh, 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 kind of thing. Yeah. Mm. Joey's, Joey's looking it up to Wait, Sotto. Sato, S- 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 Sato. It's sort of a low. Quiet, monotone. Rumbly, yeah, like Wallace sound. And it's like it's yeah, it's more or less monotone. I think is the right, but I could be wrong. is finding the definition. Uh Intentionally lowering the volume. Yeah, for for emphasis. The lowering are, for, emphasis? for emphasis is important. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hmm. yeah.
1: Like this. Like NPR.
0: It's gonna get darker before it gets louder. I
1: hate that shit.
0: The waiters were all older beefy guys who smelled of expensive aftershave and had big white manicured nails.
1: What does expensive aftershave smell like? They it's were such like smooth
0: Batter. operators. They almost managed to convince you it didn't matter that you weren't famous. And the air of the Palm was very expensive. Everything other than the food tasted like money. <laughs> "Excuse me," Tommy said indignantly after the hostess showed a store table. "Excuse me, but no, I don't sit here. I want booth." Tommy always insisted on a booth. Sir, our booths are reserved, but Tommy was nothing, if not unrelenting. I think the hostess figured she had two options. Give Tommy a booth or call animal control to trank him. Through a combination of lying... Have you guys been
1: there? What kind of food do they serve? It's a steakhouse. Uh Uh-oh.
0: Through a combination of lying, grandstanding, and bullying, Tommy and I were now seated in a booth in the nicest section of the palm. As soon as Tommy sat down, he flagged someone down and said he was starving and ready to order. I don't work here, the prison said. <laughs> Whenever Tommy's in a restaurant, he always orders a glass of hot water. I've never seen a waitress or waiter do anything but balk at a, re- at a request. <laughs> Here's how the palm waiter handled it. I'm sorry, did you say a glass of? Tommy. Hot water, yes. This is what I am asking. A, a lemon or maybe? Look, why are you giving me a hard time? Do I speak Chinese? This simple request. My God. Are you tipsy or something? And more bread with raisin stuff. We were at the palm to celebrate the following morning. Bread with raisins? Bread with raisin stuff. <laughs> I'm down. we <laughs> were at the Palm to celebrate. The, morning, the, you know, the following the morning... You that's the secret ingredient in A1. I just
1: realized that.
2: Raisins? Yeah. Raisin
1: oh, paste. Oh, really? Yeah. Raisin stuff. Raisin stuff, yeah.
0: <laughs> the following morning, official production would begin on The Room, a film Tommy had conceived, written, produced, cast, and was now directing and set to star in. If you'd known Tommy as long as I had, the beginning of The Room's production was a miracle of biblical significance. I'd worked on the film with him on and off since its inception. My most recent and intense job of the film was working as Tommy's line producer. When we began, I had no idea what a line producer was. Neither did Tommy. Basically, I was doing anything that needed to be done. I scheduled all auditions, meetings, and rehearsals, ran the casting sessions, helped find equipment, and, most challenging, made sure Tommy didn't sabotage his own film. (laughs) In a sense, I was his outside world translator, since no one knew him better than I did. I was also in charge of writing the checks that were flying out of the door of Huaisu Films, uh, like doves in search of dry land. For all this, Tommy was paying me a decent wage, plus perks, quote unquote, which was what Tommy called food. <laughs> With Tommy's vanity project about to begin, my plan was to walk into my eight dollars an hour, eight out, walk into my eight dollars an hour retail job at the French Connection the next day and quit. I hoped never to fold something I wasn't going to wear myself. So. Tommy said, taking off his sunglasses. His eyes were red with veiny lightning. We are in production. How do you feel? He started to wrangle his hair into a scrunchy, secured ponytail. It's great, I said. Tommy was looking at me directly, which didn't happen that often. He was sensitive about about his left eyelid, which drooped noticeably, and he rarely held anyone's gaze. When he did talk to someone, he tried to hold his face to the left, which he thought was his best angle. (laughs) Are you nervous a little bit? Tommy asked. For what? Big Zay smile. Should I be nervous? He shrugged. As we ate, we talked a little more and things in the palm started to wind down. 9 p.m. is, however, Tommy's noon. So, as the palm became, became em- emptier and more sedate, Tommy grew more and more energetic. I had to get home for a number of reasons, not the least of which was my girlfriend, Amber. She wasn't a fan of Tommy's and hated it when I wasn't with her on her nights off. Tommy leaned forward. We'd never, he'd never touched his hot water. What you think about the room? I told Tommy what I thought about the room several times, which was that the script didn't make any sense. Characters' motivations changed from scene to scene, important plot points were raised and then dropped, and all the dialogue sounded exactly the same, which is to say it sounded exactly like Tommy's unique understanding of the English language. (laughs) Oh, hi. But nothing I said would ever change his view of the room. So what did it matter? I thought the film offered a fascinating glimpse into Tommy's life, but I couldn't imagine anyone anywhere would be able to decipher it, let alone pay money to see it. You know what I think about the room, I said. Why are you asking me this now? Because tomorrow is a very important day. It will go down in history. Touchdown! No one can take away (laughs) our top top of mountain day. We begin to shoot. He smiled and leaned back. (laughs) I can't believe this, if you really think about it. Yeah. Congratulations. You deserve it. Tommy looked at me, his face slack. This year is not convincing. You are not happy? I was happy. I... Also, I was also, at that moment, distracted. I'd accidentally caught eyes with a young brunette across the restaurant, which I think she mistakenly took as an invitation. She and her blonde friend were checking out our table, and now, suddenly, they were coming over. Dressed up, both of them. Heels, both of them. Young, both of them. The blonde woman looked like an agent's assistant, maybe meeting her slightly racier, less securely employed friend for a night of whatever they felt like they could get away with. They had sparkly eyes and hello there smiles, and were holding half-drunk glasses of wine, which were clearly not their first drinks of the evening. They, mo- they motioned for Tommy and me to scoot in so they could join us just wanted to come over and say hey the brunette said thought you were cute we awkwardly shook hands introduced ourselves Greg, Tommy, Miranda, Sam our booth smelled like it had been hit with a precision strike of apples and vanilla perfume <laughs> yeah. conversation haltingly began yeah the food was great oh that's funny my bear almost touched once twice Tommy was glowing was uh, glow- glowering Uh, backing away into some stall, irritated corner of his mind. Small, irritated corner of his mind. He stayed there for a bit before, out of nowhere, he asked the girls, So what would you do besides drink? (laughs) They exchanged a quick, decisive look. I could almost see the mischief in their eyes flicker out at the same time. (laughs) Excuse me? Miranda said. Tommy said, I asked what would you do? Any job or anything? What did you offer besides vodka? (laughs) Miranda looked into her wine glass questioningly, and then over at me, there was nothing I could say. Miranda and Sam stood up. Yes, well, it was nice to meet you, Greg. Yeah, thanks. You too. Well, we'll we'll see you around. Sure. Take care then. Absolutely. (laughs) After they left, I looked at Tommy and shook my head. Goes so crazy, he said. The waiter arrived and asked to see Tommy's identification. This wasn't unusual. Our bill was huge, and Tommy was paying with his credit card, which wasn't reading. Tommy, Mm -hmm. however, refused to show the waiter identification, (laughs) eventually announcing, I have rights under the law of California. Then the waiter made it clear to Tommy that the Los Angeles Police Department was only a phone call away. Tommy got angry and allowed the waiter to glimpse his driver's license beneath a murky plastic lining in his wallet. The waiter said he was sorry, but Tommy had to remove the identification. Very disrespectful, Tommy said. I'm sorry, but you're completely off the wall. The waiter finally acceded. Tommy stormed out. I lingered behind, apologizing to every member of the staff I saw. I became accustomed to this. It was how I paid for our dinners. Outside the palm, we waited for a valet to drive Tommy's Benz around. He had apparently forgotten about the dangers of valet farting. I dreaded the look on the valet's face when Tommy tipped him. On a $100 dinner tab, Tommy would often tip $5. Sometimes the, rece- <laughs> the receipts of Tommy's tips would come back to him. The recipients of Tommy's tips would come back to him with an air of wounded dignity and ask, Have I done something wrong? And Tommy would say, Be happy with what you have. Tommy, w- <laughs> Tommy must have been feeling a little guilty about what went down inside the palm because the valet didn't seem scandalized by the tip Tommy gave him. We headed east on Santa Monica. Traffic was light, but Tommy was nevertheless driving at his standard speed of 20 miles below the legal limit. Jesus. I wondered, somehow, what drivers on freeways of Greater Los Angeles thought when they passed Tommy. Expecting to see some cent- uh, Centenarian cryptkeeper beside- behind the wheel, they instead saw a crow magnon profile with wild black hair and Blade Runner sunglasses. <laughs> Coincidentally, at the first stoplight, Miranda and Sam from the Palm pulled up beside us. I looked over and waved. They, of course, burst out laughing. Tommy powered down his passenger window and said as loud as he could, ha! Ha 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 ha, ha! ha 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 Horrified, they pulled away from the stoplight as though from a terrible accident. I sank into my seat. This was another way in which I passed the time in Tommy's company, trying to disappear. Tommy looked over at me and said, You look great, by the way. Like Spartacus. Tommy loved movies, though I wasn't sure he'd seen anything made after 1965. I think he thought he looked like I looked like Spartacus because for the first time in my life, I was wearing a beard. While working on the casting of the room, which took months longer than it should have, I had let the beard, along with my relationship, just sort of... go. Though Amber hated it, I'd grown to like the beard. There was something invigoratingly Viking about it. Spartacus, I said. At that point, I had never seen Spartacus, but I gathered Tommy's observation was accurate. A few years later, I finally watched it. Spartacus does not have a beard. (laughs) The car began to roll forward again. So listen now, Tommy said. This is very important. You have to do the room. I am doing the room. This is not what I mean. I mean you must act in the room, perform. You have to play (sighs) Mark. We've been over this many, many, many times. Tommy claimed that he'd written the part of Mark who, in the script, betrays his best friend, Johnny, Tommy's character, by sleeping with Johnny's future wife, Lisa, for me. I was never sure how to take this. In the four years that I'd known Tommy, he'd come to my aid on numerous occasions. If it weren't for Tommy, I wouldn't have moved to Los Angeles. Now he was making a film, a film that meant the world to him. So I was happy to help him, but acting it, this was an entirely different level of obligation. I knew what good films looked like. The Room was not going to be a good film. It was probably going to require divine intervention just for Tommy to finish the thing. This was to say nothing of the fact that the role of Mark had already been cast. What did you think about this? Tommy asked. I think I said that Don is already playing Mark. The actor's name was Dan, but Tommy always called him Don, so I had to go on that too. (laughs) Um, I'll finish up with the end of this chapter.
2: Oh, hi, pizza.
0: <laughs> yes, obviously the pizza's here. <laughs> I'll close out with the end of this. Um, it's probably good they continue driving along line for a while. Um, There's driving
1: and driving. No, 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 not at all. The I, boat went down the river.
0: <laughs> um, I described Tommy's absurd scheme. Absurd? Absurd scheme. We stood there looking at each other. This is Amber. Amber and Mark now. He tells Amber the whole situation. She thought I was a terrible person for even considering it. I, um, I decided to tell Tommy no thanks. Okay, I said, turning inside. I'll go tell him. Amber was still looking at me. Tell him what? I froze in mid What do you think I should tell him? I think you should tell him yes. You're going to be on set all day anyway, right? Fuck it. Do it. I was shocked. You want me to do it? Yeah. Do you think the other guy would give a shit about you if the situation was reversed? I didn't know, honestly. Maybe he would have. I don't know. Nothing about it feels right. It's a lot of money. Amber was right about that. Uh, We'd been struggling, and remember, I thought to myself, Donna's a rich kid. Actually, I had no idea if Donna was a rich kid. If it seemed like it was, and right now, I was very fond of that impression. You're right, I said. I'll do it. Good, Amber said. There was, I noticed, no joy or victory in her voice, and we walked inside. The phone was heavy in my hand as I dialed Tommy's number while Tommy's cell rang. I imagined him doing one of those semi-tr- semi-truck slow turns into another street. No, he was probably still dra- driving down Fountain, the next street over. When Tommy picked up, I asked him where he was. I'm on the Fountain, he said. So what's the story? I have no, ti- I have no time to beat the bush.
2: Mm.
0: I'll do it. Greg, Tommy said, I think you make great decisions.
1: Thank you for listening to another episode of
2: Literally
0: Literary. Let's get some pizza in my stomach.
2: Yay!
0: Yeah.